0: This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. The following is a sermon preached on a Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day. For more sermons, see our sermon audio page. Our scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. And we read the first 16 verses of Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, hear the word of God. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another, in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is ahead, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We read that far in God's holy and inspired Word. On the basis of that portion of Scripture, as well as on the basis of all of Holy Writ, we have the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 18. Lord's Day 18 is the Heidelberg Catechism's explanation of our confession of faith when we say in the Apostles' Creed, He ascended into heaven. How dost thou understand these words? He ascended into heaven. That Christ in the sight of His disciples was taken up from earth into heaven, and that He continues there for our interest until He comes again to judge the quick and the dead. Is not Christ then with us even to the end of the world as He hath promised? Christ is very man and very God, With respect to His human nature, He is no more on earth. But with respect to His Godhead, majesty, grace, and spirit, He is at no time absent from us. But if His human nature is not present wherever His Godhead is, are not then these two natures in Christ separated one from another? Not at all, for since the Godhead is illimitable and omnipresent, it must necessarily follow that the same is beyond the limits of the human nature he assumed, and yet is nevertheless in this human nature, and remains personally united to it. Of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension into heaven? First, that he is our advocate in the presence of his Father in heaven, Secondly, that we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that He as the head will also take up to Himself us, His members. And thirdly, that He sends us His Spirit as an earnest by whose power we seek the things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God and not things on earth. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, to begin this morning, I review for you some history of the Heidelberg Catechism, which in our catechism classes we review. About 458 years ago, in 1563, Frederick III of the city of Heidelberg, in the state Palatinate, and in the country Germany, commissioned writers. Two writers to compose a Heidelberg Catechism, Zacharias Ursinus, a professor in the university in Heidelberg, and Caspar Olivianus, a preacher in that city of Heidelberg. To write the Catechism and the purposes of writing the Catechism was to unite the people under one Reformed faith and to instruct those same people and the generations following in that same Reformed faith. In doing so, one of the attached purposes of writing the Catechism was to distinguish the Reformed from other churches and denominations around who were erring. Two churches in particular who were teaching that which was wrong. Most obvious was the Roman Catholic Church of that day in Germany. The catechism was written to teach in opposition to the Catholic Church. But secondly, the catechism was also written to unite the Reformed people and to teach them in distinction from the Lutheran Church, the Lutherans and their errors. In Lord's Day 18, especially the first three Lord's Days, 46 through 48, the writers of the Heidelberg Catechism now combat one of the errors of the Lutheran church. Although the Lutherans were strong on the doctrine of justification by faith alone, as taught by Martin Luther himself, the church erred in her teaching on the Lord's Supper. You know, probably more well known as the Lutheran error of that teaching of the Lord's Supper called consubstantiation where they teach that in the Lord's Supper in with and under the bread and wine Jesus Christ with his body is present and flowing out of this error regarding the Lord's Supper came another error attached to the Lord's Supper error an error regarding the ascension of Jesus Christ. You see, when Lutheran theologians, not Martin Luther himself, but Lutheran Lutheran theologians vehemently argued for that position that Christ's body was present in, with, and under the elements of the Lord's Supper, they felt the need to explain how Christ's body could be present in the bread and wine when His body had gone to heaven. And how Christ's body could be present in the bread and wine, not only in one congregation, but in different congregations of Lutheran churches all over the world. And their explanation was a philosophical explanation, not on the basis of Scripture, that when Christ's body was glorified in His resurrection and ascension, it became omnipotent. Present. Or what they call ubiquitous. There was the ubiquity of Christ's body. And in that way, they denied the doctrine of the ascension of Jesus Christ with his body up into heaven so that he is no longer here on this earth. Lutherans are not mentioned by name in this Lord's Day, but that is what the writers of the Heidelberg Catechism are combating the error of the Lutherans regarding the departure or ascension of Christ's human nature, His body and soul. The Reform believe the truth of Christ's ascension that He is no longer with His body and soul present to be in, with, and under the bread and wine, but is our ascended Savior with His human nature in heaven. But of course, Lord's Day 18 brings much more than that controversy to our minds. What we focus on this morning in Lord's Day 18 is that Christ as the ascended Lord is the gift giver. He's the one who has on the basis of Ephesians 4, verse 8 in particular, ascended up on high, led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. We think upon the benefits, the advantage of Christ in his ascension. Consider with me the doctrine of Lord's Day 18 and some of the truths, especially that come out in Ephesians 4 under the theme ascended to give gifts, ascended to give gifts. First, the ascension, the event itself. Second, the advantage of that ascension. And then finally, the application that comes from knowing that Christ has ascended. Christ Jesus ascended in order that He might give gifts, but it's necessary that we believe this truth of the event of His ascension to state the historical fact precisely what happened, what we must believe regarding Christ's ascension is that there was an actual change of location. A change of location of Christ's body and soul from earth unto heaven. Acts 1, as you know, especially records for us this ascension. We find in Acts 1 that Christ gathered His disciples on the Mount of Olives. And after 40 days between His resurrection and this time on the Mount of Olives, where He had appeared to His disciples, He now appears to them for the last time on that Mount of Olives. He promises to them on the Mount of Olives that He would send His Holy Spirit in particular. And then before their very eyes, children, remember this, He raises His hands. The end of Luke. The Gospel of Luke records this event. Jesus raises His hands and blesses them. A benediction. And then in the sight of all of His disciples, and He did this on purpose, before their eyes, with His hands raised, Jesus flew. He rose up with His body and soul above them, and they saw Him go up up, further up into the clouds so that the clouds covered Him from their sight. And then as you know, they heard two voices, angels who stood with them who said to them, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven on the basis of scripture the Heidelberg Catechism teaches us that Christ in the sight in the sight of his disciples was taken up from earth into heaven Christ made sure that this was in their sight so that they would know that just as he had said he had departed from them with his body and soul he was no longer on earth but in heaven The miraculous nature, children, of this ascension is not only that Christ with his human body and soul was able to rise or fly up into heaven, but think about it. He did not not merely go up into the clouds, children. He did not merely go up into space, but he ascended to a different dimension beyond the limits of our space and our time to the heaven of heavens and to the presence of God and before His angels. That's a miracle. That's astounding. Now as we have mentioned, the Lord's Day, particularly question and answers 47 and 48, were written in opposition to the Lutherans. For them, what happened at Christ's resurrection and ascension was not really a change of location, but a change of Christ's human nature. For the Lutherans, the divine attribute of omnipresence mixed with the human attribute of being with body and soul in one place at one time, so that the human body and soul now became divine with that omnipresence. Contrary to the creeds, as you know, the creed of Constantinople, without mixture. There is no mixture of the divine nature, particularly now with the omnipresence of God and the human nature, but the Lutherans teach that contrary to the Reformed confessions and the ecumenical confessions even. So the catechism on the basis of Scripture combats that Lutheran error, and 47 and 48, though we, don't, we will not spend much time on it, brings up two arguments of the Lutheran church. 47 and 48. In, our, in question and answer 47, the Lutherans have a question referring to Matthew 28 and the great commission where Jesus in Matthew 28 promises people having given them his the the great confession the, the great commission that he would be with them unto the end of the world and the Lutheran argument then takes up Jesus promise to be with his people unto the end of the world and argues this way, if Jesus has promised to be with us unto the end of the world, then it could not be that He was taken up into heaven and He is no longer with us. And the answer of the Hatterberg Catechism on the basis of Scripture is that while His human nature with body and soul are in heaven, He by His Spirit especially is with us. And we're going to come back to that But for now, the Catechism explains by His Godhead, meaning as the Son, the second person of the Trinity, with His divine nature, His majesty, His grace, and especially His Spirit, He is at no time absent. The Catechism explains that Jesus' promise to be with us until the end of the world does not mean that He will be with us with body and soul, but by His Godhead, majesty, grace, and Spirit. Question answer forty eight brings up brings up a second Lutheran argument. The Lutherans claim that while the reform accused them of mixing the divine and human nature of Jesus Christ, they claim that the reformed so there's a counter accusation of the reform that we separate the human and divine nature. The argument is presented in article 48 or question 48, but if His human nature is not present wherever His Godhead is, are not then these two natures in Christ separated from one another? And the Catechism explains very briefly now that His divine nature has been, always will be, omnipresent. And that does not mean that it's ever separated from His human nature. But there is a perfect union between Christ's human and divine nature. We move on now from that debate with the Lutherans to talk positively about Christ's ascension. Particularly, the reason that He could ascend. Jesus Christ had the right to ascend into heaven with His body and soul because He had earned that right. In Psalm 24, which we sing, we read the question, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? Who's allowed to? Who has the right to go to heaven, to His holy hill? And the answer is this. Only He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up His soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. In order for any human body and soul to ascend unto heaven, He has to be perfect. He has to live a perfect holy life with pure hands and a clean heart that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He descended first. Ephesians 4, nine. He descended first, taking upon Himself our human nature. Our human body and soul. And through His life, as we have learned in the Heidelberg Catechism, He lived a perfect life in our place. Suffering, in addition to that, for all of our sins... And in that way, He finished earning the right to ascend unto the holy hill of God. That's what Christ did. It's amazing. But more than that, not only did He earn the right for Himself as a human being to ascend into heaven, but He earned that right for all of His people. That's the Gospel, the good news of the ascension. What Christ has earned for Himself in His human nature, He has earned for each of His people in our human natures. Christ earned for Himself the right to ascend. And He also earned for Himself all the gifts, all the blessings of salvation. Many gifts. That's the emphasis of Ephesians 4. The gifts that Christ has earned. In Ephesians 4, verse 8, we read of that. Ephesians 4, you must know, is quoting from Psalm 68, explaining that Christ's ascension to give gifts is a fulfillment of the Psalm of David in Psalm 68. It says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What Ephesians 4 does in referring to Psalm 68 is it draws a picture for us, a beautiful picture of Christ ascending to distribute or give to his people gifts. The illustration is that of a warrior king. A warrior king who has recently gained victory over his enemies and is now returning from the battle. Think of King David himself. King David goes forth and fights a great battle against enemies and gains the victory for the church, for the Israelites of his day. And having done so, King David returns from the battle and is riding on his chariots perhaps chariot perhaps and as he rides he ascends he goes up the mountain of Jerusalem but as you know a king when he returns from battle is not alone in his chariot but as the victor as the one who has done great conquering behind him there is a train children you can think of a long line like a parade of many other chariots and many other carts pulled by horses and donkeys that are following Him and many other people. And two things you need to think about or notice regarding this illustration of a victorious king riding back up to his city, Jerusalem, after winning the battle. First, Psalm 68 verse 18 speaks of captivity captive. Thou hast led captivity captive. So, as the victorious king ascends Jerusalem, the holy hill, behind him, a people that were once captive to the enemy king. They were in captivity. But a king like King David, having conquered the enemy, now takes captivity the people in captivity, as His own captives and brings them in a long line behind Him. You can picture servants who are now following in this train behind the victorious king, following David up the hill. And secondly, in this long train are all kinds of treasures. Often after conquerors have conquered a land, they gain what is called the spoil, the plunder, the booty. He had taken from the enemies all sorts of treasures. And now they are what is loaded upon the carts behind the king going up the hill. Psalm 68 verse 18 says this, Thou hast ascended on high, Thou hast led captivity captive, Thou hast received gifts. That's the spoil, the plunder. For men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among us. Psalm 68 says, He has received all of these gifts having conquered, but it's not for Himself merely. Having earned the spoil, these gifts, Psalm 68 says, is for the rebellious also. The very captives That wants served serve the enemy king. The spoil is for them. He wants to distribute the treasures he has earned to them as well as all of his people. That is the picture of Psalm 68. And that is what Christ has done in His ascension. He is the king greater than King David and any earthly king. And when he descended upon this, to this earth and took upon himself our human nature, he worked to gain the victory over Satan, the enemy, who ruled over us under his captivity. And having suffered and died, Christ earned salvation for us he conquered satan he conquered sin he conquered death he conquered hell to gain deliverance from captivity and to make us instead his captives and his train on the way to glory along with his work to defeat satan and sin while upon this earth he gained for us gifts many many treasures Like the long line, the train behind him loaded upon carts, all kinds of treasures. He has all of these gifts to distribute to his people. King David ascended the holy hill of Jerusalem to his palace there, so that from his position on the throne, he might distribute his gifts to his people. But King Jesus ascended the heavenly Jerusalem what He did 40 days after His resurrection to heaven. So that from heaven itself, from His throne room there, He might keep His hands raised. Children, remember, I said remember that. And a benediction upon His people. And from there, He might give to His people all the gifts that He had earned having gained the victory while He was upon this earth. He ascended to give gifts for our advantage. The ascended Christ is in heaven sending forth gifts, and there are many gifts. So many gifts that I don't have time this morning to describe them all. But the first gift that the Huber Catechism refers to as an advantage is the gift of His advocacy. Of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension into heaven? First, we read that He is our advocate in the presence of His Father in heaven. The word advocate is similar to the word intercessor or mediator, one who goes between God and us and speaks to God on our behalf. That's what an intercessor or mediator or an advocate is. But that word advocate in particular brings up a truth that is slightly different from the word intercessor and mediator. The word advocate should bring to our minds a picture of an attorney, a lawyer, someone who stands beside a criminal and pleads his case in the courtroom of God. That is one of the advantages. That is the great benefit or gift that Christ has given us in his ascension. He is our advocate. Our defense attorney, as it were, who pleads our case in heaven right now, is so precious. First John 2, verse 1 says, This, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Don't sin, John says. Flee from sin, and yet this, if any man sin, because we will, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. The righteous. No, we shouldn't sin. And when we sin, we shouldn't shake it off as though it's nothing. But often, when we sin, we feel guilty, feel the accusations of Satan in our consciences, feel dirty, feel like criminals. We know we ought to suffer. Or sin, the great suffering in hell. But remember, God's Word says this morning your advocate, Jesus Christ, your defense attorney, stands before the judge, pleads our case. Says as a lawyer would, a representative of a criminal like you and me, I have covered I have covered that sin. There's that sin too of lying, that sin too of selfishness this past week, that sin too of gossiping, that gross thought. The secret sins you might not even know yourself, the besetting sins you've fallen into again. I've covered them, Christ, as saying, as advocate at God's right hand, by the one sacrifice that I have made already at the cross. And on that basis, and on that basis alone, the basis of his own work, God hears that advocate and forgives. Do you hear him today too? In his house, as hearts are directed upward by faith. Think upon the ascended advocate at God's right hand. You hear him. He pleads on your behalf. And for his sake, God says, I forgive you. As intercessor or advocate, he prays many other petitions besides the plea for our forgiveness. The plea of our innocence. He prays for all our needs, physical and spiritual. All on the basis of His work, He prays behind the veil. And God hears for His sake. The second gift of Christ's ascension mentioned in the Catechism is that we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge. That He as the head will also take up to Himself, us, His member. Christ is the head. And we are the body, the many body parts. That's the familiar biblical illustration that this question and answer brings up. For all the various parts, like an arm, like a leg, all the different parts of a body. And Christ is the head. If He is up in heaven, has already ascended to the holy hill of God, And the Catechism says on the basis of Scripture, we His members must, we will join Him one day, for without members, the body is not complete. The head is in heaven. We as His body parts will inevitably join Him in heaven. For He has earned salvation for each of His body parts. We can think of it in terms of the illustration we considered in Psalm 68 and that Ephesians 4 refers to as well. The king remembers at the head. He's at the lead of this train that comes behind him. And he ascends the holy hill to Jerusalem. But the captives whom he has rescued from the enemy's rule are in this train and they follow. They're even, they're even tied. Think of those captives who often are bound and they're tied to this train, to the carts that are being brought to follow the King up into heaven, up into Jerusalem. So also, we who are captivity made captives of Jesus Christ are brought to heaven. It is a guarantee to us, a pledge we will rise with Him one day with the King. As you have seen Him go up, the angel said to the disciples, and says to us today too, so shall He come in like manner. He's coming again upon the clouds just as He ascended with the clouds. And when He returns... 2 Thessalonians, or 1 Thessalonians 4 puts it this way. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Just as our head was caught up at His ascension to be in heaven, so also when He returns, we will ascend. We will be caught up to be with Him in glory. That's the second gift. A pledge of that ascension which the Catechism gives us. There are more gifts, and all the other gifts really can be summed up in the third third advantage which the Catechism gives us. Thirdly, that He sends us His Spirit as an earnest by whose power we seek the things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God and not things on the earth. The gift of Christ's ascension is not only His advocacy and the pledge that we will, be, we will ascend with Him one day, but third, it's His Holy Spirit. From heaven, He sends His Holy Spirit to deliver unto us, to distribute to us all the gifts that He had earned for us. It's expedient, He had said to His disciples in John 16. It's expedient. It's best for you that I go away, that I depart, He says, for if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. You see, without His ascension, Christ could not send His gift of the Spirit in abundance as He did. But with His ascension, He gained a position on high in heaven to do this work of sending forth His Holy Spirit. He is, children, another picture, think of a mailman, a postman. Sometimes when you order something online, you're waiting for that gift to come, and you're waiting for that mail carrier. That's a weak illustration, but like that, the Spirit comes to bring unto us all the gifts that Christ Jesus sends from on high. The main gift, however, is not just one or two or three or the many blessings of salvation, but the main gift is this which the Holy Spirit delivers. Christ's presence. His presence by His Spirit. When we think of the blessings of salvation, don't forget that the blessings of salvation are not only justification and sanctification and faith and love, and unity. and There, there are many blessings of salvation that could go on and on which the Spirit gives, but the blessing of salvation is God Himself. And God dwells with His people in His close presence with us. That's what Jesus Christ sends His Spirit for so that Christ by His Spirit may be in us and with us, so that Christ by His Spirit might be our Emmanuel, God with us. John 14, verse 18, He says to His disciples, I, after I depart, will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's what He does by His Spirit. Remember the Lutheran error. The Lutherans insist that Christ's human nature, body and soul, must remain here with us in the Lord's Supper because Christ promised to be with us even unto the end of the world. We don't say, no, Christ doesn't promise to be with us until the end of the world. Rather, we insist while He is not here with His human body and soul, He is here by his spirit. And you see, the result of his departure with his human body and soul makes his presence with us all the better, all the closer. If Jesus with His body and soul, with His human nature, had remained on this earth, He could only be one place at one time. But having departed, having ascended with His body and soul into heaven, He gains a position from which He pours forth His Holy Spirit unto each and every one of His people, wherever they are in the whole whole world, so that we might enjoy His presence by His Spirit. Close to us, never to leave us, nor to forsake us. That's the gift of his ascension. And with Christ by his Spirit in us, we also receive this gift, as the Catechism describes, of assurance. Thirdly, he sends his Spirit as an earnest, an earnest. An earnest is literally a deposit or even a down payment of guarantee. A down payment is a certain amount of money as you know that you might give to another to purchase a house, purchase a large property of great price. You give to the seller a down payment, a certain amount, which guarantees it's a promise that in time, because you do not have all the money yet, in time you'll make the rest of the payment. That's what a down payment means. You assure the seller with a deposit that you will soon give him the rest of the payment for what you are buying. The Ascended Lord Jesus Christ doesn't receive from us a down payment, but He gives unto us a deposit of guarantee like that down payment. He doesn't owe it to us. We don't deserve any of it. But He gives unto us His Spirit as that guarantee, that deposit. The Holy Spirit is the beginning of eternal life already now. And when we feel His Holy Spirit in us now, His presence, His fellowship, that is Christ's guarantee that the fullness of enjoying that eternal life in heaven will be soon. The full payment, so to speak, will be given to us. The Spirit guarantees it. And with that Holy Spirit, He gives us not only Christ's presence, an assurance or an earnest, but so many more gifts. I said there's not enough time to go through all the gifts. Ephesians 4 speaks of so many gifts. Gifts to office bearers, verse 11. Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. He sends forth gifts as He ascended Christ into your office bearers and this church too, so that they might minister to you. But not only to the office bearers. Verse 7, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He gives His Spirit, and with His Spirit many gifts of salvation and even unique gifts to each of His people that they might minister to one another in the body of Christ. And as you know, the main gift that Ephesians 4 speaks of, as office bearers minister to God's people, and as God's people minister to one another, there is the gift of unity. One body, united, under one head, Jesus Christ. The application includes this calling, believe believe not only that there was an ascension, that Christ's body and soul departed from earth to heaven, contrary to the Lutheran idea, but believe in Jesus Christ who is not only crucified, but risen and ascended. Believe in His person. Trust in Him. Who is ascended as your King. As you go through life, as you come to worship, your thoughts, your hearts are to be directed upward, thinking upon, resting in Him who sits enthroned on high. Always upward to that advocate, that high priest, that mediator. The Lord's Supper form says that we may not be fed with a that we that we may be fed with a truly heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave, let us not cleave with our hearts into external bread and wine, but lift them up on high. And that's not only during the Lord's Supper, but throughout our lives, our hearts are to be lifted up on high to heaven, where Christ Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of His heavenly Father, whither all the articles of our Christian faith lead us. Beloved, you are not to place your trust in bread and wine, but according to that Lord's Supper form too, you're not to place your trust even in the articles themselves, the explanations of these doctrines that we hold too dearly. But those articles of our Christian faith the explanations that you hear off this pulpit are to direct your attention upward to Him, our Advocate, a real person, our Ascended Savior, who sends blessings from above with a constant benediction day by day. You are to think of Him and trust in Him and believe in Him. In second application, live as though Christ has ascended and gives you these gifts. Ephesians 4, one. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy, meaning walk consistently, live consistently, at the vocation wherewith ye are called. We can sum up the calling this way. If you really have Christ as your ascended Savior, Giving you gifts from on high. Then live as such. Live as though you have His gifts. Live with assurance of your forgiveness, that He is your advocate in heaven, pleading your case, has earned your forgiveness. Don't live in doubt, don't live in despair and distress. Worrying that God does not forgive you. But be certain of your forgiveness in Jesus Christ as you rest in Him. Live as though you have that gift with confidence. Has Christ truly ascended as a pledge for you? Pledge that you will ascend to heaven one day as well? Then live as such. Yes, you will sorrow in time of death. Yes, there will be fears according to your sinful nature as you approach death yourself. But remember, Sorrow not as one without hope. Live as one with a hope that you will ascend as Jesus Christ has ascended with your body and soul. As Christ ascended to send you his gift of his Holy Spirit. And live as though you have his Spirit. Not, not living for the things of this earth. not seeking the things here below, but by His Spirit seeking holiness. Living as though He is with you and in you, according to your new man. Live unto good works. Live speaking the truth in love. As Christ ascended, to give this church gifts Office bearers, members, gifts. Gifts which they use to minister to one another. To the edifying of one another. And growth in unity, as Ephesians 4 speaks of. Then live as a congregation, as a people of God, as such. Not striving with each other, using your gifts to attack one another but to edify one another in love. Live, young person, not in idleness, using your gifts for yourself, but not for others. But live ministering to the others, others in the body. Don't live as though you can't help this church, as though you don't fit in. If you believe in the Christ who has ascended into heaven and has joined you to this body, then live as one using your gifts, knowing that He has fit you here. For a purpose. For the ministering of this body. Be who you are. As members of the body of Christ. Christ is your ascended head. Live in thanks. For the gifts that He has bountifully given to you. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us, loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast. We publish daily meditations Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day Sermons on Wednesdays, and Topical Podcasts on Fridays. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org, and you can email us with any questions or feedback at hoperwc at gmail.com. Thank you.